Welcome to Story Chats at Insby Romance. I'm Elizabeth Madry, and I'm here today with my two co-hosts. I'm Narelle Atkins. I'm Valerie Comer. Lori Larson is back with us again today to talk about books with main characters who spent time in foster care. Um, thank you, Lori, for joining us. Thank you for asking me. I always enjoyed meeting with you ladies. We love having you. Yes. So um, what is it about adults who spent time in foster care that makes them good heroes and heroines for it? Do you think, Lori, or what is it about this topic that you love? <laughs> well, I was interested in, in when you listed this topic as, as uh, upcoming episode, I thought, oh, I, I'd really like to join that one because I have kind of a personal history with this topic. And it's kind of family lore in my family that my mom and dad met in college. And um, as they were starting to date and get serious, my dad shared uh, a dream that he had uh, with my mom that he would someday like to get married and start a family of his own. And when he had established his own family, he really wanted to reach out and provide a home for a disadvantaged child who probably wouldn't have the chance of getting a, you know, a family um, because of the age of the child or the, you know, disability of the child, or in some way he, they wouldn't be a, you know, a uh, desirable adoptee. Okay. Right. An immediate adoption. Right. An immediate adoption. Right. That's a way of saying it. And so before he went any further in falling in love with my mom, he just wanted her to know this, you know, and, and see what she said. Well, fortunately, she said, well, good. That sounds like a very honorable thing to do. And let's do that <laughs> together. So they eventually got engaged and got married and they had my brother and I. And then when I was 12 and my brother was 13, um, a woman at their church who happened to be uh, who happened to work at a local orphanage or child, you know, adoption center came to them and said, Hey, we have this wonderful little boy. Um, I think he's, you know, he's the one you've been waiting for, you know, and, um, he's seven years old and he was actually born to, a, a married couple, a mom and dad who had previous kids, but for whatever reason, we never found out why, um, they, his parents kind of farmed him out when he was about a year and a half, they farmed him out to this aunt or uncle and, and that aunt and uncle took care of him for about six months and then they handed him back and then he got to someone else. And, and when he was four years old, they actually put him up for adoption. So you can imagine what that whole experience did to his young psyche, his self-esteem, his feeling of worthiness and that kind of thing. So by the time we got him, he had been in an orphanage um, for three years. And so we adopted him at seven. So I often say I was an, I was the youngest child for 12 years. And then I became the middle child. <laughs> <laughs> so when I saw this topic, I thought, yeah, because I actually, in my, uh, a catalog of books I have written about adoption and foster and, and that kind of thing a couple times. So, um, so yeah, so that's my story about why I'm here today. That's, awesome. <laughs> Interesting. Mm. that's cool. All right, Narelle, what do you think makes um, fostered children? It's weird because like you say, adult adoptees. And so you, but I don't know what you say for 
maybe the same thing. I don't know. Adult graduates of foster care. What makes them them good heroes and heroines? Well, I think that to survive the, I mean, I mean, everyone has different experiences. And so there could be someone who had a really positive um, foster care experience where they were with the one family for their formative years and it was really good. And then there are other stories that are not so good. So I think I think it's an there's sort of often an independence like the characters are very much standing on their own two feet it's like they've had to parent themselves kind of in a way because they haven't had that sort of solid mum or dad or necessarily having those um, parental role models for their entire lives and I think they also have a lot of resilience as well so when the going gets tough they're probably the person you want around because they're resourceful because to survive and to do well in life they've had to learn those skills of resilience so I probably think of independence and resilience as two of the characteristics that go with it. Valerie? That's interesting. I, I put down that they would value friendships and relationships more. They might not be good at them, but, um, but they would cling to that. And in the aspect of um, a contemporary romance novel, then for them to be the hero or the heroine, they have had to already have overcome enough that they are sympathetic and and worth cheering for, as in not huge chip on the shoulder kind of thing. Maybe a little one, maybe a little chip. So yeah, <laughs> I, I figured that, um, that the, the relationship thing, that they would be very analytical about relationships and maybe a little hesitant or just so needy for relationship that maybe they would make poor choices the other direction. Um, So are there any pitfalls, do you think, for writing about foster care? Or do you think, are there things that you feel are overdone when you've been reading them? Or um, anything, I don't know, that makes you a little nervous when you see foster care as part of the character backstory? Lori, you want to? You want to go first? <laughs> um, I don't know if I, you know, get nervous about it, but I guess in in the world of fiction, you know, anything can happen. But in, in reality, um, I mean, I don't know the percentage, but I think a lot of people who grew up in foster care don't necessarily have a very um, successful and happy fulfilling uh, adult life. You know, there's not always that happy ending that we always look for in, in romance. There is certainly the opportunity to for this character to inspire the reader with their overcoming adversity. But there is also just the fact that after such uh, trouble, in a lot of cases, troubled childhood, it's hard to get over that. And there can be a lot of impact and a lot of um, you know, uh, baggage from everything that this child had to go through in a non-traditional family life or childhood that is just too hard to, to overcome. And it's hard to trust and it's hard, you know, to, to succeed and to, um, you know, take over their own education and their career and, you know, be a success. Um, so there is that um, worry that you're, you know, you're really delving into um, kind of a, a really kind of sad story. But what the ones that I really like are the ones that go the opposite way. And despite all the adversity, then they 
you know, they, they get through the hard times. And that, of course, makes a great hero and heroine. Sure. <laughs> Narelle? Well, I probably don't necessarily look for these types of stories. <laughs> I have no, I have no real life experience with with foster care. So, I'll you can I'll open a book and read, and as long as the characters are well motivated, I'll run with whatever you put on the page in front of me. So, <laughs> you're not going to get any criticisms from me from that perspective. But I do think that um, it's really in any in any book in terms of developing characters. If someone's had a difficult childhood, then that has to show up on the page, or there has to be. You have to know why they've overcome that, how they've overcome it. And so when they're under pressure in the story, the way they respond and act needs to be consistent with their background. And so that's the kind of thing I'll look for in a story is to make sure that the characterization makes sense and works. It not necessarily is consistent with real life because fiction is different to real life, but it needs to logically make sense for me and then I'm, I'm happy. I'm quite easy to please on this one. Okay. <laughs> Valerie? I think there's a tendency maybe for authors who decide to put this in a backstory to kind of vilify the foster parents. Mm -hmm. And that's probably because if the foster child had a very, you know, went to one foster home and it was great and wonderful, um, they, there wouldn't be much point in the uh, author having put fostering into their background. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, it seems as though most often it's a negative thing in stories. Um, so I think, I think that's a, a downside in that aspect as well. I mean, we all need, we, as authors, we give our characters all kinds of stuff to overcome. And so this, you know, this you know you pop in the word foster and and you've got this whole this whole picture already formed uh of stuff so it's it's, it's convenient as an author to go well if, if my character was in foster care then then all these things are true and i've now i've done my homework yeah instead yeah. of making them more complex um so relying on a stereotype, is that yeah. what you're meaning? Yeah, I, yes, thank you. I think that yeah. is what I'm trying to say in many, many more words. Though. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's mine is I do feel, I agree. It, very often it feels like um, foster parents are made out to be horrible, abusive people. Um, and, and I mean, you can't say that they don't exist. There are bad foster parents, just like there are bad biological parents and there are bad people in the world. But I don't think statistically, uh, you know, <laughs> there's, there's any basis for, for vilifying. Um, but I, I do feel that, um, you know, because again, if you're doing research, the stories that hit the news are not the happy ones generally. So if you're Googling, you know, um, looking for backstory stuff, it's really easy to find the, the bad and, and you don't see the thousands of good um, yeah. that, that are there instead. I have, I have several friends who foster um, and their, their kids are their kids. I mean, and it doesn't matter that they're foster kids. They don't, they don't call, they're just their kids, you know? Um, 
for as long or as short as they're there and they're wonderful families. And so I know for me, it bothers me to see, oh, my evil stepfather who, you know, was beating up my stepbrother, my foster brother, you know, and it's like, you know, I get that this stuff happens, but it happens in biological families too. You know, you didn't need to make it a foster family if you wanted him to have an abusive background make it abusive biological parents rather than, you know, tarring these people who by and large, I feel are, are trying to be the hands and feet of God and provide for these children, um, with, with this horrible brush. Um, so I see, I see what you're saying there, because if the whole system was as corrupt from the core as, what you would gather if you were only reading fiction. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't it it would have crumbled a long time ago. Yeah. 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 Can I ask a question? Yeah. As someone who did not see this angle at all, like <laughs> what you're talking about, honestly, I did not see it. So um, do you think this is more prominent in Christian fiction than general market? Or do you think this is just something across the board in I terms of the stereotype? I see it across the board. Um I, I, cause I read, I read both Christian and secular fiction, and I would say it's pretty evenly split. Um, there are authors who, who have a fairly balanced view. And then there are authors who like, like maybe you need an hour or two with a therapist to unpack <laughs> your feelings about the foster care system rather than putting it into your book. Um, so um, I, I think it's pretty, pretty evenly split evenly spread. Um, and I don't know why that happens. Um, but it, it could very easily be just that, you know, if you Google looking around as we do as authors, right, you're going to find the bad. You're not going to find the good. Um, I find this fascinating because <laughs> I would look at this subject and think, well, I mean, all we've, I mean, in Australia, we've had a lot of um, issues with institutionalized um, child sex abuse and stuff like that. And so to me, people I've known that done foster care have been upright, good standing yeah. citizens. Like I don't, I don't, I would not see that in the real world. So I find it fascinating that there's a trend in fiction that is, seems to be so contrary to what you would see in the real world. But anyway. No, I agree. No, good point. Yeah. All right. So on that super happy note, <laughs> let's talk books <laughs> that we're so excited to share with you. Although I will say I don't, um, my examples at least do not fall into the vilifying foster care. Uh, so phew. Um, <laughs> um, let's see. First book up. Laura, you want to go first? Sure. One at I'll a time. I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> One at a time. Okay. Well, I mentioned earlier that I had written several books that incorporated this theme. So I thought I would, I would talk about one. As you um, <laughs> uh, this is called Bridge to Fruition. And it's my, I think it's the fifth book in my Polly's Island Paradise series. And um, we've got Dax, who was raised in the system. He was a true, um, you know, orphan and uh, was, uh, raised in, in foster care, passed from, you know, one family to another. Um, and he aged out and he never got adopted. So now, you know, he's an adult and uh, he's, you know, uh, doing his best to um, make a, a self-sufficient adult of himself. 
Um, but he's very, his high priority is to prevent other young orphans from going through the same thing that he did. Not that he had all kinds of abuse or, or terrible, but, you know, it's just the fact that, you know, children need to know that someone loves them. And it, when they're being passed around, it's hard to, to buy into that. Um, so he is trying to build up his career as a masseuse. And he's also a mentor to a, a 12 year old boy living in, also living in foster care, whose name is Pedro. And so Pedro's foster mother is, um, is a little bit on the older side and she's uh, starting to have some health problems. And so, although Dax is not a foster parent himself because of his situation, you know, trying to uh, get his career off the ground, uh, he, it's important to him to mentor and help Pedro and Pedro's foster mother. So he he just really wants to make a difference in this boy's life. So he meets the heroine Jasmine when she comes in uh, to get a masseuse or a massage and finds that her normal masseuse is out of the office that day. And she's a little nervous and awkward about taking her clothes off in front of this good looking young man to be massaged. <laughs> but she goes ahead and does it. And, you know, he kind of explains to her a little bit that in the massage uh, field, it's hard for a man because most men don't want to be massaged by men and most women don't want to be massaged by men. So he was like, okay, I understand. And she's like, you know what, I'm going to give him a try. Plus she thought he was cute. So but she's a little bit off her game. So when she leaves, she's not paying attention and she goes out the front door and she gets knocked into by a bike rider. So she slams to the, to the ground. And of course he runs out and uh, picks her up, calls the ambulance, takes her to the hospital. And that's how they begin to get to know each other. <laughs> so what they discover as their relationship grows is that, you know, Jasmine, was raised in a Christian family with two parents, kind of an elite family. She, uh, her mom was a, was a teacher, her dad was a doctor, and they sent her to college and gave her every opportunity to build this solid life for herself. Um, but she doesn't really have a solid, strong faith in God. I mean, she was raised in the church, but she doesn't really have a faith of her own. Um, on the other hand, Dax had the complete opposite upbringing, but he knows that God is, you know, his strength, his strong faith in God is what's going to get him through his adulthood going down the right path. So he relies very heavily on his walk with Jesus. So she can help him with his issues of not having a strong family. And of course, he can help her with her walk of faith. And, um, you know, that's kind of the basis of the romance. I love it. That sounds fun. I need to read that one. I thought I had read all of your Polly's Island books, but apparently I missed one. <laughs> you missed one. <laughs> all right, Narelle, what's your first book? Well, my first one is just, it's an adorable book. It's, and it's a Christmas book and it's a novella, but that's okay. Um, it's 12 <laughs> Days of Snowmen, Snow, 12 Days of Snowmen by Sarah Monzen. And I just love this little novella. It's just adorable. And so Lucy is the main, um, is the heroine in the story. And she went through the foster care system and appreciated 
um, the experience so she doesn't have negative connotations. She actually wants to give back to society. So as a young single woman, she's actually fostered um, Abby and she's had Abby with her for three years and Abby, I think, is five. So probably from the age of two and five, two to five, she's been with her. And um, she's, yeah, she's, uh, and I think that's probably, it's interesting to talk about the stereotypes because I've obviously chosen a book that doesn't fit that stereotype either, that it's been a very positive um, foster experience for Lucy to the point she wants to give back with Abby. And so she works in, um, they're in Florida and I think they're in some kind of museum. It's a living museum. And so she dresses up in um, historical costume for her job. And Jonathan, who's the hero, starts working with her, um, doing doing the same type of work as she is, and they get to know each other. And um, the kicker with this story is that um, Lucy's had Abby with her now for three years. And in 12 days, Abby's going back to her birth mother, who has, um, there's a whole story about why um, she ended up giving up Abby. So she has 12 days left left with this girl that she just absolutely loves to pieces and doesn't necessarily know when she goes back to her mother how their relationship's going to work so Abby calls her mama Lucy and mama Lou sorry yeah so she knows that she has another mother and um they wanted to do something to do with Christmas and snow. And so Florida and Christmas is kind of really relatable to me because I'm in <laughs> Australia and it's summer yeah. at Christmas. So that was another draw for this story. It's also um, one book 1.5 in the Carrington series. So if you've read the first book in the series, you will actually meet um, those characters in this one as well, Summer and I'm trying to think of his name possibly Trent I might be wrong though yes and so um they it's a really sort of short short romance in terms of what can they do to give um Abby 12 days of snowmen so it's each day something happens and it's just really adorable it's really sweet and it's really positive and I just it's just such a lovely um a lovely little story to read if you want to read something that's feel good that you'll end with a smile on your face at the end Valerie, Nobody what wants that. Nobody right? wants no. that. <laughs> <laughs> What's yours, Valerie? Um, the first one is called Country Romance by Carolyn Arson. And um, the heroine is a former foster child who was um, in and out with the same family whenever her dad dropped her off kind of thing so she was in and out of her her dad's life and in and out of this neighboring foster family's life and as the story opens she is um, bringing a little boy her best friend's five-year-old I think to his father now the father doesn't know that he has this five-year-old so it's a secret baby story but kind of from the other angle, I guess. So the mom has passed away and she made um, Adele promise to take the little boy to his father who doesn't know he exists, which is great fun for everybody, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and, but she also told the little boy, your daddy uh, has a ranch, your daddy, um, your daddy rides horses, your daddy's really cool. And so now, I mean, so Adele can't get out of it. She can't pretend that she didn't, you know, understand what her friend wanted or whatever, because the kid is like, where's my daddy, right? Yeah. So she arrives um, 
and she knocks on the door and two little girls who are about three years old in tattered tutus answer the door and there's a smell of something burning and there the two little girls are fighting <laughs> and um she like where's your, where's your daddy oh he's asleep so she like runs in and like stops the kitchen from burning down and it turns out that the guy is very sick and um so she winds up like taking care of the two little girls and this little boy while and, and trying to keep the guy alive for, <laughs> during a blizzard you know like so it starts at all that's like the first two chapters right um but it it does play into it because she knows what it was like to um be dropped off and picked up and dropped off and picked up and she's so it really plays into how she feels about this little boy uh, her best friend's son and and she doesn't want that to happen to him but she promised her friend and she's in a business partnership where they're opening a new restaurant or bakery and so she can't take the boy and besides it, it's not her child and the child should go to his father and it so that's it all plays a really big dilemma in her mind and um yeah just the fact that she's been a foster child that just makes it really hard for her to just walk away and leave this little boy behind especially when <clears throat> when the guy does get better and find out who she is and why she's there he vehemently de denies that the child could possibly be his oh my goodness so uh yeah lots of drama but uh i actually really enjoyed the story all right, so my first one, and I'm just realizing I didn't write down any of my character names. So, you know, because, because why would I? I was like, I'll remember. I do not remember. So whatever. Um, why not? My first one is Provenance uh, by Carla Loriano. And right. uh, the main character, the heroine. Um, has a name. Has a name. And I don't remember it's it. Kendall. It's Kendall because it's, it's on Kendall. my list. Did I steal off your list? I steal off your <laughs> absolutely. List. Excellent. I'm That's, gonna read absolutely. Narelle's going to help me with this. One. <laughs> I will. I will help you. <laughs> um, and she inherited this house in the mountains of Colorado from this grandmother that she didn't know she had because she grew up in foster care and um, basically has, I feel like in Kendall's case, um, had it, it made her super super conscious of this need to know her roots um she never really got to the place where she was okay with who she was with with the knowledge that she had she had a fantastic foster family uh in her teens who wanted to adopt her who she just sort of gave the middle finger to because she was mad and she was in foster care and this was horrible and I don't have real parents and she treated them like dirt even though they loved her and they loved her through it um and so um so so the idea of provenance you know knowing where you came from factors in highly in this book um as does her experience growing up in foster care um and the hero is the mayor of this little town where this house was the the grandmother that she didn't know she had was sort of the town 
almost like the town matriarch. Like she was a very important person within the town and they're trying to save the town from this developer who wants to, you know, basically raise the history and make ticky tacky ski lodges and, you know, bulldoze everything that's good and amazing out of, of it. So, um, so it's got that, you know, David and Goliath kind of theme feeling to the, the plot as well, which I do like. And uh, he helps her a little bit sort of see you know that knowing knowing your genetics is nice right but um but the family of god and the family that you make matters more or at least as much um yeah which which i did like that we ultimately got there and she does it's like spoiler alert but it's been out for a year so deal but um for me I would need to know this if I was walking into a blind she does sort of restore things with this foster family like even after all these years she goes back and and I appreciated that Carla did that because I was very unhappy with Kendall's treatment of the foster family um because they were good people who loved her and wanted her and she just rejected them at every turn because she it was very much the mindset of I've been rejected all my life I'm going to reject you first so that you can't hurt me yeah yeah so we probably could do a second one if we talk fast (laughs) well can I jump on and add to promise and that's my second sorry yeah yeah so when I probably thought about the topic I talked about characters that were independent and resilient I really thought of Kendall in provenance and in terms of the romance the one of the core conflicts in that romance is that she's so used to relying on herself on herself to do everything she's very confident very capable and very able to be on her own the whole concept of forming a relationship was very challenging for her and I really liked the dynamics of how she was able to let him in if that, into her life and to trust him. And I love the way what, what Beth was talking about with the foster care family, how that came back in at the end. I thought that was beautifully done. And yes, that made the read much more satisfying for me as well to actually see that she was able to, to go through a process and, and grieve probably what she had lost because she hadn't had a resolution to what had happened to her mother. Her mother had dropped her off at daycare and just disappeared from her life without a trace. That was the sort of the core part of the story. And so she needed to work through a whole lot of stuff and then to see those genuine happy endings. And I think that's one of the things I love about Carla's books is she tends to have that lovely depth and then she brings everything together and you get that sort of ah that was so good feeling after you read it so that's all I really wanted to add to it um that's yeah but it was it wasn't it wasn't like she was a foster kid just for the hell of it if that makes sense like it was an essential part of the story this this foster care part and that's something I will look for I don't want something just thrown in it has to be meaningful to the story for me to um to run with it as a fiction reader yep agree that makes sense Laurie, do you have a second? Yeah, I've got a second. Um, This is Topaz Heat by Haley Bridgman. And um, the heroine in this story is Sarah, and she was orphaned at a young age because her mother was tragically murdered um, as as she was a young child. And she was so, you know, severely impacted by this that her memory was completely wiped clean of anything that happened to her prior to um, she became adopted eventually by kind of a normal happy family. 
when she was about six years old. So, you know, here she is, she's, she, she has no memory of anything. And eventually prior to this book in the series, so I, you know, I'm kind of jumping in the middle of the series, but prior to this book, she discovers that she has several sisters. She had several sisters um, who also were put up for adoption and went through foster care. And she had actually met her two sisters in a previous book so that they are now, you know, happy, well-adjusted adults. They've married, you know, solid men and they're starting to have families. But um, Sarah is kind of her, because of her memory loss, she's never really moved past this tragedy in her life. So she's just kind of stuck in a holding pattern emotionally. So that's where she is when we first meet her. Um, she was adopted by a, a woman who seemed a little bit on the um, overprotective side, but of course, who wouldn't be if you had such a troubled child, you know, trying to help her through. Um, so she meets Derek, who is the hero, and he was not in foster, but he had a rough childhood. And, you know, he's got the tattoos covering his arms and he gets in lots of, he used to get in lots of fights and he had been in a gang. Um, but that's all behind him now because one of the men who married Sarah's sisters, you know, the past uh, sister, uh, was became a very generous Christian mentor to Derek and sent him through college. And I think in this series, the, there's a lot of money. They're like millionaires. Yeah. <laughs> so he took this child off the street, this troubled child and, and sent him to college and then gave him a place to work within the family business. Um, and now um, Sarah's mother, on those occasions that she sees the two of them together, she doesn't want her to have she doesn't want Sarah to have anything to do with this guy because he's got the telltale signs of a rough childhood, you know, the, the tattoos and everything. Um, and so she wants Sarah to, you know, meet some nice, wholesome guy. Um, so Sarah tries to fight the attraction, but eventually, um, you know, she, the more she gets to know Derek, the more she realizes what of success he's made of his life. He's completely turned his life around. He's got the strong faith in God he wants to serve others and <clears throat> he's a very solid man. <clears throat> and it, uh, partly through the book, he puts himself on the line to save her from physical harm. And they end up falling in love and, and she opens herself up to him. And at that point, her memory comes back. Aww. And so now she, by trusting him and learning to open herself up to another um, she can work through all those issues that were keeping her clamped down and um, she can live the rest of her life, um, you know, following God's plan for abundance in her life. So it was, it was good. I enjoyed it. It was a little dark, but it was, it was good. <laughs> all right, Valerie. Only one. Hey, I've got two. No, you get one <laughs> and you got to talk fast about that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, Melanie Snitker has uh, an entire series called Life Unexpected, and um, one of the books is called Safe in His Arms. Joel owns a restaurant. He also owns a house with two friends, and they were in foster care together, this group. So, um, so we see him. He's, he's done okay with him for himself. Um, Anna is running from her boyfriend, who conveniently tried to kill her because... 
she was trying to frame him, she stole his thumb drive. Nowadays, maybe you'd have to be a little bit more creative with that storyline, but you know, six or seven years ago, that would do it. And um, anyway, she ran away. She has a great Pyrenees epic. She lives in her van at first while she's uh, starting to work for Joel. And he, uh, he recognizes the signs that she's homeless. And so he begins to befriend her and um, eventually uh, helps her find housing with a female foster friend. That's hard to say fast. <laughs> yeah. um, but, um, so he's, he, it, it's interesting because she's kind of more, has a more together background, but then this one very big mistake, whereas he struggled, you know, as a youth and now he's got it together. And so when you put them together, it's, it's not the same kind of mix that you would always expect. Anyways, I would recommend that one. Excellent. Whole series is good. Okay. Excellent. Um, uh, my my other one is is sort of the mention of a series, uh, Belle Calhoun's Seven Brides, Seven Brothers series. All the brothers right. yeah. were from uh, foster care. They were foster brothers together. Um, it's old. We're talking seven, eight years ago old. So these are old books. Um, they're still good. Like, don't write them off because they're old. I'm just saying you probably read them if you were reading Christian romance seven, eight years ago. Um, and, and I couldn't pick a specific one that was my favorite, um, of them. I enjoyed all of them. So I'm just going to sort of plug the series. I will say though, I don't feel that having been foster brothers matters hugely to any of the characters specifically. It comes up here and there a little bit, but it's not, I didn't get, I don't remember it being, I did not reread them. <laughs> so, um, but I don't remember it being a huge focus of the plot. Um, it, it was there, but it wasn't, um, they, they could have been, they could have been biological brothers and I think the series still would have worked. Mm. Yeah, yeah, a couple of them did have some big issues and, and trust issues from okay. their history. But again, yeah, I, it's been that long since I read them as well. I did, I did not reread them. So if I'm completely off on that, I will own it. I don't have a problem owning being completely wrong. But they were foster yeah. kids and brothers and it is a Christian contemporary romance series. So I mean, hey, it fits. Well, and also if you're yeah. looking for multicultural, um, uh, yeah. that it's a good mix. They're not like all little white boys. You know, she's she has a really nice mix multiculturally within the brothers and within the couples, which I really love to see, you know, it's, it. I love that. Yeah. So. <laughs> all right, final <clears throat> thoughts. We're long, I'm sorry guys, but I mean, it's been a fun conversation. So I'm actually hashtag not sorry, but. Um. <laughs> my, my final thought is you should also go read Kimberly Ray Jordan's Fostered with Love series. Yes. It's also uh, foster kids who are fostered together who are still friends as adults. Is oh. that the one with Frasier and the trailer park? Uh, maybe. 
Okay. The one that I had picked to talk about that you wouldn't let me talk about Sorry. Um, is not that one. That she's going to talk about anyway. Um. <laughs> oh, I mean, only only if you make me. No, I'm not going um, to. You need to tell me the title. I need to hear the title now. Don't tease me. Oh, the, strength, the strength of their love is the oh, one that um, I was looking at. Yeah, that's a good one. So, so we'll leave you on that cliffhanger. <laughs> Go look it up. Um, how did I miss that series? Because I love that series. I don't know. I don't know. I put it to the last because I thought, well, Beth will probably talk about it. And then it doesn't have to be one of mine, but you did it. You let me down, girl. I did not. Sorry. Lori, uh, tell everyone where we can find you in your books. Okay. AuthorLoriLarson.com and Lori Larson on Facebook. Probably the two best places you can find me. And I did have a book out most recently on 22222. Ooh. Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday. 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 <laughs> Excellent. Um, thank you for hanging out with us again today. We always love having you. It's always fun. Thank you. I always have a good time with you guys. <laughs> and thank you everyone for hanging out with us. We're always glad you're here too, even if we don't get to talk to you directly. <laughs> so if you have foster care heroes and heroines and or heroines uh, that we miss that you love, drop us a comment because um, we clearly need help finding a few more. Um, and uh, otherwise, you know, questions, comments, dad jokes, whatever, leave us a comment. We always enjoy seeing that. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell so you never miss an episode. You can find information about the podcast at inspiromance.com slash story chats. And in the meantime, we're going to say goodbye and we'll see you next week. Don't forget to fall in love with a good book. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye, goodbye, everyone.